pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 159. Today I'm going to chat with Diana Muller and Laura Evans of the DC Project, discuss the latest in the court case challenging President Trump's bump stock ban, highlight a new light from Surefire, and talk about a man who blew up his house trying to swat a fly. I'm your host, Ava Flannell, and Diana, Laura, how are you guys doing today? Great. Thanks. Thanks for having us on. Of course. Absolutely. Before we start the show, I just want you guys to know that here in Colorado, it snowed. It was literally 90 degrees two days ago. I was like, yeah, I am so mad. Really, the reason why I'm mad is because all of my plants and there were some plants that I planted fairly recently or transplanted. And here I am, it's 90 degrees and I'm hanging up tarps all over the place. It went from a beautiful backyard to looking like a homeless camp because all the tents and stuff. And then this morning I had to pull my crazy lady card and I'm out there with a broom shaking trees and stuff so that the weight of the snow doesn't break the branches. It's just, yeah. How much did you get? Uh, We honestly, we probably got about five inches. Wow. Yeah. But wasn't that a huge blessing because of all the fire? Yeah. So that's what I keep thinking is I'm trying to see the positive and I'm like, all right, don't be selfish about your plans (laughs) because it's putting out all of these fires. So because honestly, before the snow started, it just looked super smoggy. There was smoke everywhere in the air. So we definitely needed it. But still, it just kind of sucks. I'm not ready for winter. Anyways, before we start the show today, I want to talk about Manicore Arms. If you have a Yugo Krinkov rifle or a PAP pistol, you should go check out Manicore Arms and Nightbreak. The Nightbreak, if you haven't tried, it's great for reducing recoil and eliminating muzzle rise. This version is made specifically for both the M85 with 18 ports distributed around the upper 270 degree arc of the night break. The lowered 90 degree arc has no ports to prevent dust from flying up when fired. Additionally, the night break is over an inch shorter than the standard M92 muzzle booster. And they're in stock right now for just $64.95, but you're not going to pay that full price because you're going to use the code GUNFUNNY15 and that is going to get you 15% off. And that is at manicorearms.com. Learn the things you never knew on deconstructing the industry. All right, guys. So I want to know just a little bit of background from both of you guys. Like, when did you guys start getting into guns? How did you get to the point that you're at? And Laura, I know you and I have talked a little bit, but obviously listeners who may not be familiar with you have no idea. So whoever wants to go first. Go ahead, Laura. Yeah, thanks, Di. So I'm Laura Evans. I live in upstate New York, uh, far, far away from the city, Manhattan, thankfully. (laughs) And I kind of refer to myself as a former anti-gun mom turned Second Amendment advocate. I did not grow up in a home with firearms and came to them later in life because of a career choice that I made to work for a company in the industry doing marketing and public relations and fell in love with the folks in the industry and then realized that I had been living on the wrong side. I opened my eyes to see what the gun community was really about, fell in love and have since 
taken on this role of advocate for the Second Amendment. That's how I met Diana. Nice. And then Diana, give me a little history about yourself. Well, I'm from North Central Missouri originally. And then when I graduated college, I knew I was going to have to get a job. And I actually ended up uh, going to Tulsa, Oklahoma to be a police officer for the city of Tulsa. So I did that for 22 years. And to back up to high school and college, I dabbled in competitive shooting, but horses were my life. Horses and horse shows and barrel racing were what my family did. And when I went to Tulsa, it was very intentional to find a cowboy and horse country. <laughs> nice. And so I did not find a cowboy. Because <laughs> uh-huh. I was going to say, <laughs> I know long. you're married now and he's not a cowboy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's more of a country boy, but he's not a cowboy. Yeah. Uh, But uh, yeah, I ended up selling the horses in 2000. I came back to shooting and I just fell in love with the people. The people are so much um, nicer, I want to say. I don't want to dig on any of my cowboy friends, but uh, the community is just seems to be a little bit more wholesome. And at least the three gun community is. Mm -hmm. And I just fell in love with it and ended up over the course of about three years selling everything I had, you know, taken 20 years to uh, absorb as an adult. And uh, I sold my land and my horses and all my tech and my horse trailer and my tractor. And I moved to town and I was still a police officer, uh, but I continued to shoot as a hobby as opposed to barrel race. And shooting as a hobby was much more lucrative for me. Uh, And then I actually turned it into a second career. So now I'm probably one of the very few paid people that can make a living off of sponsorships within the competitive realm. Mm -hmm. Nice. And you started shooting three gun in 2009, correct? Correct. 2009 is when I found it. And then 2011 was when I sold my place. 2014 is when I retired from the police department to focus on shooting full time. And then 2015 was. Uh, The moment that I found myself in Washington, D.C., and a friend of mine set up a meeting with my legislator, which I guess I'll meet my legislator. That's what you do when you're in D.C. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't care. I didn't have two, didn't have two cents to care about that. And but it was during that meeting, like God turned on a, a, a light bulb over my head. And I was like, hey, is there something that I should be doing to reach out to these legislators that are making some really atrocious decisions that affect our lives personally when it comes to the Second Amendment. And uh, that from there, the DC Project was born. Nice. And tell me so, a little bit more about that and what you guys do within the DC Project. So originally, I thought I would try to get professional shooters uh, to reach out to their legislators and do this. But then I realized there's not that many professional shooters um, because we're easy to vet. And we're easy to trust with guns because, you know, you can look at me or Jerry Mitchlick or somebody and they're like, oh, they're not crazies. Um, But then uh, I just didn't have that many people. uh, So and I realized that women can sometimes have a much bigger impact when it comes to speaking about the Second Amendment, because we don't we we break out of that stereotype of the old white Mm -hmm. redneck toothless. Um, so we bring a different face to gun ownership Mm -hmm. and that was, that was effective as well. So now I'm looking at women and now I'm looking at more people, more women than just professional shooters, which was a huge godsend because I 
my original plan was just to stick with this one narrow lane. And now the DC project is comprised of women, you know, that really represent the vast diversity that we have within the firearms community, you know, old and young and black and white, Asian, Latino, and um, Laura, help me. I don't know all of our, it's a gay, straight. It's just every, every cross section of America. Go ahead. Liberal and conservative. um, Yeah. Rich, poor, everything, anything that you can think of people from, you know, teeny little towns and people from great big cities and urban and rural and just about any demographic that you can think of across this country is covered by one of the members of the DC project. Nice. And I'm assuming you guys have a woman represented in every state at this point. Well, originally it was just one woman from every state. Uh, So for four years, I was really keeping a lid on this because I couldn't herd too many cats, you know, Mm -hmm. one from every state was enough. So we would go to Washington, D.C. once a year, meet our legislators and really have a great time. And I feel like we moved the needle. I don't think we're just patting ourselves on the back, but I do feel like we were uh, making inroads there. And we really harp on the relationships. So we want to find somebody, if it's not the member, we want to find somebody that knows who we are and knows that we're a resource for them uh, and, and that our goal, our end goal is to get them to the range and, and teach them something. Um, but this year, you know, I guess it was probably when I testified, wasn't it, Laura? Uh, yeah. I testified in front of the House Judiciary Committee last September, about this time last year or October, I can't remember. It was, I guess, it was, it was last year, I believe. Yep. Yeah, this time last year. And we knew that the red shirts of Moms Demand Action were going to be there. So we all got teal shirts mm-hmm. and we put that educate, not legislate uh, logo on the front of them. And so we we were trying to intentionally be a counter to the red shirts of Moms Demand Action. Mm-hmm. And it worked out great. I mean, my girls got there super early. They were in the gallery. They were sitting right behind me. So every time the camera was on me, they were in their teal shirts behind me. Um, it was pretty powerful. So that kind of, I think, jump-started us into thinking that we need to take this back down to the state level. We need to open up the gates and actually have memberships and try to uh, cultivate a state effort doing the same thing. So we asked those 50 girls that have been going to Washington, D.C. with us, say, hey, will you go back to your home state and do the same thing within your state? Go to the state capitol, recruit girls from different districts. So you'll have standing in every representative, every senator's office uh, and, and just start being a counter to these red shirts. So that's where we're at today. We have... I, I think we're missing a couple of states yet, uh, Laura. I know North Dakota has always been a burr under my saddle pad, and I can't <laughs> have, find somebody from North Dakota yeah. to save my life. We have folks who have signed up to be volunteers or delegates for the DC Project from every state. What we don't have is a handful of states where we don't have leaders for those states, and those leaders would then, you know, do the outreach to other women in their in their particular home state. So there's just a few. North Dakota's one. I think West Virginia, Rhode Island. Do we have a Rhode Island, Diana? Uh, yes. We do. Okay, we do have Rhode Island. Yeah. yeah, so there's just a few states where we don't have leaders, but we do have interest and um, people who have 
reached out to us directly and are willing to volunteer to help us at the state level. And, and really the, the original plan for, for, for activities at the state level are exactly what we do in Washington. We break up into little groups of women and we make appointments with senators and congresspeople and we visit them in their offices face to face and we sit down and we talk with them about why the second amendment is important to us, how so many of the existing gun laws and proposed legislation that's in the pipeline can have unintended consequences, particularly for women, mm-hmm. and just build relationships with them and make sure that they understand that we want them to be long-term relationships that our organization has with their you know, representation as well as their staffs. If they have any questions about anything related to uh, firearms or gun rights or gun safety or, um, you know, e- even violence prevention. And I think because of that uh, and that repeated message that we carried back to Washington when we went year after year, I think that was key in what got Diana the invitation to testify in front of the um, House Judiciary Committee regarding the assault weapons ban last year. Nice. When you guys approach these public figures, does it seem like it's a daunting task? Does it seem a little intimidating? Or at this point, have you guys just gotten so used to it that you're like, all right, let's do this? I think people that come into it are very, very intimidated. And I think we were intimidated at first, but then you realize how easy it is. And now we look forward to it. And it's uh, for, for my from my personal experience. Laura, what do you think? Yeah, I think um, my first year traveling to DC, I was I was very intimidated. I was a little frustrated because I found it difficult to make appointments with my congressmen and my senators, uh, Schumer being one. Um, And it was just frustrating the lack of communication that I was able to initiate um, with those representatives. But in spite of that, uh, we did get meetings. And among, I think there were five people in my little group that first year I went. And I think we had 17 or 18 meetings over the span of a couple of days. And that's a lot of meetings with a lot of different um, lawmakers on on Capitol Hill. So after you walk into the first one and you kind of go through, you know, your your little story and, and conversation with, with these people, it does get easier. And I, I have told this story before, but I recall thinking as I was driving down to D.C., it's about a six hour drive for me, that it was going to be so exciting for me to actually meet with Congress people and senators and mm-hmm. that, that anything I had ever done before in my life, I've been to Washington a whole bunch of times, but never, never took advantage of that opportunity. And I thought I was going to be um, impressed and inspired by those lawmakers. But what I recognized when I drove home after spending a few days there was that it wasn't the lawmakers that impressed me at all. It was the other women um, who were so committed to uh, volunteering their time and spending their own money to travel to Washington, D.C. to take up the cause of preserving the Second Amendment mm-hmm. for the ones who were impressive and inspiring and um, brave and bold in telling their stories. Some of the stories are very painful to tell, um, and some of them are just just plain inspiring and 
the whole experience for me was one of the most uplifting things that I've ever encountered. And it just made me eager to want to continue, you know, advocating in, in particular with this group. And each year when we travel to DC, we're not in the same group of women. So that first year, I didn't know anyone that I was with um, personally. And same for the second year. I was a team leader the second year I went and I didn't know anyone really had never met them ahead of time um, and had the same experience. Um, We all sort of figured out, you know, how to fill in each other's weaknesses. So in particular, I'm a really poor navigator. Um, I can't remember where the hell I am. And we were running from one side of the, you know, congressional office buildings to the other side with the Senate buildings and, I get lost. And <laughs> so I had to assign a navigator and, uh, and it, it just ended up working out great. This, the, the teamwork aspect of it, which then I think I really believe um, was exhibited to those people, the lawmakers that we meet with, that w- we do come from such different backgrounds and we each have a different personal reason for why, um, you know, gun rights are women's rights. And I think that they could see that honesty in us, you know, the other thing that I, that I tell people is when we have these meetings, we're not, we're not protesting. Um, we're not chasing after lawmakers into elevators and throwing cameras in their faces and yelling at them. We make appointments in advance and we tell them why we're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And then when we discuss things with them and we ask them questions and we encourage them to ask us questions. And so that's, what we're, what we're attempting to do at the state level can be a little bit more complicated because every state is set up differently in terms of um, assemblies and legislatures and members and districts and those kinds of things. Yeah, um, absolutely. You're also kind of changing the subject just a little bit. You also have a company called Silver Bullet Marketing, which you specialize in I marketing do. and public relations for other companies within the firearms industry. But you also do the marketing for the DC project. What does that entail? Um, it's again, it's a team effort. Uh, we, when we have, um, our advisory board meetings, we get together and try to hammer out, um, specifically what our mission is and what we want our messaging to be. Um, at our last meeting, we really took a deep dive into the message and we came up with, I'll call it a tagline, but it really is a representation of our mission, which is to um, protect our families and preserve our rights. So those are some of the things that we kind of do as a team. For myself individually, um, I'm, I'm working with the different state and regional directors to make sure that our lists are up to date and that our communications are timely and that we get out as much useful and helpful information to our delegates and the greater public that we can. Um, we had some help from uh, one of our volunteers in putting together a document about how to effectively talk to people about the Second Amendment and gun rights. And part of the reason that we wanted to promote that document and push it out to people is because many of the other Second Amendment advocacy organizations are working behind the scenes, either you know legislatively and lobbying and whatnot, but they're not necessarily telling the, the general public you know, this is how you might find common ground with someone that that doesn't agree with people having gun rights. Mm-hmm. This 
here are some steps that you can take to actually have a conversation with someone that is anti-gun. So it's kind of exciting. Yeah, Love definitely. It. And I think that that's actually a great point is it's the conversations that you have with people that you could possibly change their mind. Like you're on a plane sitting next to somebody. And I've always kind of welcomed that conversation at any time, as long as they're open-minded about it, because I think that it does change a lot of things in people's perspectives. I'm going to take a quick break real quick and talk about SB Tactical. The SBA3 is arguably the most popular pistol brace on the market. It's a five-position minimalist brace that fits on a standard carbine buffer tube. It's one of the lightest, most comfortable to use, and even includes a QD swivel mount. So if you're having trouble finding a brace for a build, you should go check it out right away as they're currently in stock, and it's selling for $169.99. But don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15. That gets you 15% off. And that is at sb-tactical.com. Diana, I want to know, so when you testified, did you kind of get the sense that men were slightly intimidated by such a strong female presence? I don't know. I I mean, I was trying to just keep my lid on. Um, (laughs) I didn't. didn't, What did you say, Laura? I said Jerry Nadler did a double take. Yes. When I, uh, when I made the little now infamous comment about, I will not comply. I looked up and Jerry Nadler looked like he was very surprised. I don't know that he would be, I would classify that as intimidated, but I definitely think that, uh, having two women that were articulate about the position Mm -hmm. countering five people who were emotional and, um, leaning on those principles. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think we, I think we did have an, an influence and an effect on it. And we haven't heard much since and not to think that they're going to stop. Uh, I mean, I don't think we were that effective, but at least we held the tide as, as long as we could. Yeah, definitely. And I do think that there's a lot to be said about you guys picking women and having them voice their opinions. I think it's a lot more effective and vocal than than your typical figure, the NRA, the people that you would typically think associate with the NRA, the older people, they're hunters. and the stereotype. Yeah. And here you see women because you think women, especially, especially because the other side, they're always, well, what about the children? Save the children. So if it's coming from a female perspective where we are supposed to have that motherly instinct and take care of kids. So if we're coming off as, hey, we are moms and we're also pro-gun, it contradicts a lot of what the other side is saying. Right. It oh, offers a, a a counter to their position. And if uh, you're right, I love that um, Laura brought up those talking tips, because how many times have, you know, back in the day, even two years ago, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, you know, guns were much more mainstream, much more accepted and um, normalized. And now they have they have done such a great job of marketing that the gun owners are the demons and the bad guys and bastardizing us Mm -hmm. that the the conversations are so much more hostile and the emotions that come towards a gun owner is so much more. And if people aren't prepared to have that conversation and they don't have their ducks in a row, they're, they're definitely not going to be in a position to win the conversation or at least counterpunch in the conversation and stay in the fight, so to speak. Um, and it's going to make them uncomfortable and they're not going to want to try to influence or speak their mind. So that's, uh, that's, it's an important part. And I, I'm really hoping that the DC project can help 
can help people have those conversations and give them the tools they need in order to effectively communicate with um, with their friends and their families and their communities. Yeah, definitely. We, we have um, some women in our group who have repeatedly said, you know, those moms who are demanding action, um, who behave as if they're speaking for all moms, they don't speak for us. Yeah. They don't represent our beliefs or our values or our opinions. Um, you asked about intimidation and how people reacted to us. Mm-hmm. I, found, I have found in, in almost 30 meetings that I've had with lawmakers that the folks who are typically voting uh, against, you know, to preserving the Second Amendment, those what I would call anti-gun legislators, are often, almost always, surprised and vocal about that surprise with us and saying that, you know, wow, um, yeah, I wouldn't have expected a group of women that look like you or have backgrounds like you do as individuals would be here talking to us about gun rights Mm -hmm. because we don't fit that stereotype. Yeah. Um, And it's important that we don't. Because I think that's really what makes the message that we have as the DC Project and women that much more memorable for those lawmakers that we do talk to. Because we're not just some other group of people who are going in there shaking our fists. Mm-hmm. We, we're calm and professional and, you know, we, we want to have an open line of communication with them. We don't want to really make demands in their face. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. What do you guys think that, uh, let's say, opposite end of the spectrum, moms demand action, what do you think their take is on the DC project? Has it been kind of, not hostile, but when you guys are in the same room together, can you guys describe what, you know? I've had a couple of run-ins with them. Actually, one was with their founder, which is uh, Shannon Watts. And Mm -hmm. I saw her at the Time Magazine. Uh, the front cover, you know, when they were doing the photo shoot for the front cover of Time Magazine, uh, I think it was 2018 now. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I didn't know her. I didn't know of her. I really didn't pay much attention to moms. Um, I didn't have any disdain for her. I just went over and uh, introduced myself and told and gave her my card and said, if you ever want to uh, know, you know, what I know, then here's my card. And she said, well, uh, where do you stand on universal background checks and something else? And I said, I don't agree with them. And she's like, well, no, we're not going to agree. And uh, so she was a little curt, but I'm sure since then, if, you know, I've watched her social media pages and I think Moms Demand Action is a horrible um, fear mongering, lying, um, just just a propaganda machine Mm -hmm. uh, to disarm American citizens. And it's disgusting. Uh, so I don't have much respect for her anymore. And um, I've also ran into at my own state capitol uh, this past February. I took the Oklahoma delegates to the Oklahoma state capitol. And it just so happened that there was a gun bill coming up. So mom's demand were all over. The red shirts were all over. And um, we had been interviewed by a local media. And I, I just happened to be walking by when they were getting uh, the mom's demand woman was getting interviewed and the media crew actually said well there she is like they were talking about us being there Mm -hmm. and uh, so it turned into I introduced myself again and it turned into a conversation on camera and she was you know that um I don't know how to just hostile yeah you know and don't you and I'm like well no I don't and 
I'll be glad to have a conversation with you, but they run so hard on emotions that um, that's kind of what fuels their fire. So it's yeah. been it's been contentious to say the least. Mm-hmm. Well, and I've also seen that anybody who writes anything on their social media that disagrees with them, they immediately get banned from that page. It's, yeah. you know, you could just so tell much their for a conversation. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what bothers me the most is if you're going to take a stance, fine, whatever. But I hate when people are just so narrow minded and not open to having that discussion. And I think that that's what bothers me. Also, I've seen Shannon Watts quite a few times, and she's always has bodyguards around her that are armed, which is hilarious. And it's just, yeah, yeah like a complete contradiction. Critical. Mm hmm. Absolutely. How has COVID affected you guys with lobbying and stuff? Uh, it's, we, we have not, well, we don't plan on going to DC this year. I mean, DC's kind of shut down. So that's definitely affected our ability to do that. But, but then it's also allowed us to focus on pushing our efforts to the state level. So um, I'm not going to say it's all bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just uh, redirecting and this needed to happen. And had we, uh, been in the same, same old, same old that we have been in, we may not have uh, been as effective as we are at getting established in our states. Definitely. Do you guys have any future plans? Any kind of what? Any future plans that you can share with listeners? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things I want to tell you your audience about is that we have our biggest fundraiser is a three-gun match. It's in Burnett, Texas in October. It's in October. Halloween weekend this year. So we are going to have a grand time. We're going to have a Halloween costume contest. We are going to uh, have a fundraiser banquet on Friday night, the 30th of October. And then we shoot on Saturday and Sunday. And it's a two-man team match. Uh, We did that because team matches are few and far between. And they are so much fun that I, I felt like that that would be a good vein to put it in. But we also try to promote women and juniors, which are two demographics that are really important to preserving the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. So um, we have a basically a bonus uh, cash payout if you have a woman or a junior on your team. Oh, nice. So, Very nice. And yeah. if people want to sign up for that, where can they go? Uh, they can go to our website is where all the information is. There's a registration link and there's also a sponsor link. And that's at dcproject.info slash match. And is there also a link that people could go if they just want to make a donation and support the organization? Yes. Oh, absolutely. There's a donation links on our page and uh, yeah, just peruse around about the page and uh, let us know what you think about it because uh, we want to be user-friendly and uh, we want people to be able to access those hashtag 2A talk tips and things like that. So um yeah, dcproject.info. Okay. Laura, do you have anything to add to that? Um, well, I was surprised you didn't mention the law enforcement component of the match. Seeing yes! You know, retired cop. <laughs> <laughs> you tell him. No, you tell him. You're the cop. Okay, I'm the cop. So um, I found out that Austin PD usually has a, a, a match, a team match uh, for just law enforcement only. So it's not really in our world, but I found out that they had to cancel it because of, you know, 2020. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking that that would be really nice for us to incorporate having LEO teams and then trying to get, instead of, you know, asking police officers to spend $400 for an entry fee, um, asking someone in their community, a, a company that might want to support 
uh, they're back the blue. And, and so we're, we're marrying, we have at least four Austin teams that are covered. Um, and now we're trying to push that out to get some healthy competition between the cities. You know, I got one from San Diego, a, a company from San Diego that says that they'll step up for some San or not San Diego, San, um, San Antonio. We've got Austin covered. We've got Houston covered and, uh, and Tulsa. So I'm just now kind of spreading this word about, you know, let's marry the the community with the police department, give them a little bit of a, a booster shot and give them some practice behind their skill sets and let them have a good time. So yeah, that's a, that's a new addition to our, our team match, but we're really excited about that. And we're not only going to award the top teams, you know, with a belt buckle, a trophy buckle mm -hmm. like rodeo, but we'll have one for the, the company that sponsors them as well. Oh, nice. That's really cool. Yeah. And then are you guys also still looking for volunteers? If anyone who's listening and they want to volunteer, can they just go to your website and sign up? Absolutely. Uh, like I said, we're pushing out to our state level. So it's uh, the doors are open and the floodgates have opened and we're ready for everybody and anybody to come be a counter, counter visual and a counter voice to the red shirts. And uh, we'll get you married up with the state director where you're at and find out where you, what district you live in within your state, because that's different than the district number for your federal people. Mm -hmm. So you'll get a civics, you'll get a little bit of civics 101 when you come in and you'll have questions and you'll try to figure things out. So it's been good for all of us. I mean, there are things that I have learned that I did not know when we started this journey. Okay, very nice. And then can you just remind people once again what the website is for the DC Project? Sure, it's dcproject.info slash join to join and then slash match for information on the match. All right, perfect. When you go to visit the website, you can do a number of different things, right? You can um, you can join and, and volunteer. Um, you can subscribe. That way, you you know uh, be on our list when we share information about what we've been up to, or maybe some you know two way talking points as we start to um, distribute those out regularly. Uh, you can make a donation. You can register for the match. Um, Obviously, we're always looking for donations uh, just so that we can have um, more behind us in terms of logistics in operating an organization that's been growing pretty rapidly in spite of Diana's efforts to try to keep it from growing too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a lot of uh, logistics that go behind it. Um, yeah. One other thing that I didn't want to forget to talk about was uh, campaign that we've been working on for a little while. We don't really have it hammered out yet, but we're calling it Teal for 2A. And I know you were at SHOT Show, um, so you saw what we were doing with our, you know, hashtag turn shot teal. Um, we really want the color teal to be representative of uh, Second Amendment advocacy. So we're in the process of um, trying to figure out how to partner with all of the other pro Second Amendment organizations and any people that are just pro 2A uh, and coming up with, you know, uh, different campaigns and different ways to promote uh, Teal for 2A. Oh, nice. I really like that. Yeah. And that shirt that we wore when I testified, the girls mm -hmm. wore, that is on our, uh, in our shopping cart. 
So anybody can get one of those. Uh, it says, uh, has educate over uh, on top of legislate, actually. Like yeah. you just scratched it out and wrote over the top of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's on our that's on our website. And that's just such a great t-shirt because not only is it the teal, and th- there's some other colors too, but the teal uh, represents something. But then the message behind the educate, not legislate, and there's little AR-15s around it. Mm-hmm. So it can really, it can really speak without having a word spoken or if it, it breaks the ice and, um, and, and you can have some conversations around that t-shirt. Yeah, definitely. I actually, I have that t-shirt. I just posted a picture of it on my Instagram uh, a few weeks ago, actually. Yeah, it looked great. Yep. Yeah. So you guys should also create a teal patch. You know what? It's coming. Oh, good. Because those will do Yeah, we've got got a bunch of patches for uh, the team match. Okay, cool. Moving forward, before we talk about politics, let's talk about IWI real quick. I've been looking at the Jericho Enhanced lately, and it looks like a lot of fun. If you're not familiar with it, the Jericho Enhanced is based on the popular CZ75 short recoil system. It includes a newly designed modern frame, which has an accessory rail and interchangeable back straps. It also has a new trigger and hammer profile, as well as a manual safety, allowing condition one carry or hammer down double action. While you're there, don't forget to check out the web store for accessories like spare magazine, swag, You get 15% off any of the accessories online when you use the code GUNFUNNY15, and that is at IWI.US. All right, so moving forward, it's time to talk about political AF. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Tenth Circuit Court vacates previous ruling on bump stock ban. Last week, an appeals court vacated an early decision that upheld the federal government's ban on bump stocks and granted a petition for a rehearing of the case. The U.S. Tenth Circuit, based in Denver, Colorado, agreed to an en banc petition in the case of Utah gun rights advocate W. Clark Apogian, which takes issue with how government regulators move to outlaw bump stocks at the order of President Trump. Previously, a two-to-one panel of the 10th Court upheld the ban in May by Chevron Difference, which allows court to default to agency interpretations of ambiguous statutes. Now the full 12-judge panel on the 10th Circuit will rehear the challenge with a special focus on if and how Chevron applies. The original lawsuit filed in 2019 in Salt Lake City, U.S. District Court, challenge the role of administrative agencies like the ATF and whether their regulations may contradict a law passed by Congress. Specifically, the bump stock regulation directly contradicts the legal definition of a machine gun as set by lawmakers in 1934 and 1968. The case argued that ATF essentially rewrote the definition as set out by previous laws, which is not something an enforcement agency has the authority to do. So I guess we'll see what happens with that. But as of right now, guys, don't go dredging lakes for those lost bump stocks just yet. The regulation is still in place and the case must be reheard by the full panel of judges before any legal precedent is set. And then even then, whichever decision is reached, it will likely need to go before the Supreme Court. So what are your guys' take on this? Well, I'll go first. Um... 
I obviously would like it to be a, you know, to get overturned. I think that that was, you know, the gun owners really hammer on Trump because of this decision. And I think that in the beginning, he thought that he could negotiate like mm-hmm. he usually negotiates. And I think he's figured out that Washington, D.C. is not interested in negotiating with him. So he's going to I think he's going to stand firm for the 2A. And the mm-hmm. reasons that I think that, you know, he is a 2A supporter are the tons of other things that he's done. You know, everybody wants to, to talk about that one thing, the one misstep. But let's talk about all the conservative judges he's pointed appointed that's huge Mm -hmm. it's been it's in the hundreds um he also rejected the un's arms treaty that was big he when this whole pandemic came down uh he declared firearms and ammunition retailers as essential businesses Mm -hmm. so he really helped us there he signed the fix nix act uh, which strengthens the background system which you know you're anti you would think your anti-gunners would appreciate um what else has he done? Geez, there was a like a school violence act and a commission that he started, you know, trying to, you know, it, there's just so many things. Prosec- they're prosecuting the, the justice system is uh, the Justice Department is prosecuting record number of firearms offenses, which that's the biggest thing to me as a police officer to see the revolving door of people getting arrested, committing crimes, getting arrested, and then getting turned loose or slap on the hand. Mm-hmm. That I feel like is where criminal justice reform needs to um, be focused is revamping the justice part of this because, you know, you've seen it time and time again, these people, especially right now with all of these uh, riots and things, I mean, people are getting right back out and then going back out and committing crimes. It's mm-hmm. like, that doesn't make any sense, but it's these liberal policies that are allowing these things to happen. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Laura, I've seen it. Yeah, you're at Rochester. What's going on in Rochester? Yeah. I mean, the bail reform and and criminal justice reform in the state of New York is such that many crimes that would typically get you arrested and indicted aren't even getting you arrested these days. You get an appearance ticket. So they don't even remove you from the scene if you've committed a crime. So there's no deterrent by which you're going to say, well, I don't want to get busted, so I'm not going to do that. It's just, it's horrible. You know, and I think that a law and order platform that Trump seems to be behind is, is something that I wholeheartedly believe in. My husband is in law enforcement and, you know, to Diana's point about inviting these um, law enforcement um, shooting competitors to come participate in our match. Boy, these police, they need a boost. You yeah. Know? I mean, just, they've been put through the ringer and it, 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 they're not the bad guys. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. There's not, a, there's not a component of our society where or any place in the world where you can find a group of people where there's not a bad egg. Mm-hmm. And, and when we look in the mirror and we can that to ourselves, maybe it'll be easier to say, you know, right. Maybe we were a little bit wrong. You know, all cops aren't bad. Um, yeah. The criminal justice and the bail reform, it's, it's to the point now in New York where, um, you know, they, they're, they were shutting down prisons and, you know, they were letting all these people out of jail 
um, in prison because they were afraid they were going to get COVID, but they were just, the parole system was just not even checking up on them and letting them out on the street. I mean, what did, what did they think was going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. I know the whole thing's ridiculous. It is. Going back to Trump though, I do think, well, I think I've been pleasantly surprised by the work that he's accomplished and what he's done, especially considering that he wasn't really into politics before he became president. And once he got elected, I was like, oh, man, is this a joke? And I got to say, I think he's done a pretty fair job. He's done much better than I expected. And I definitely I hope he gets reelected. I feel the same way. Well, in, in contrast, I mean, honestly, I'm a one platform voter and there's absolutely no there has never been a bigger, I feel like Joe Biden and I start a sentence and then I don't finish it. Right. Um, <laughs> but there has never been a more distinct difference between two candidates in any election I've ever even heard of. I mean, literally, this is capitalism versus socialism. This is evil versus mm-hmm. uh, light. This is, uh, in my opinion. But then I, I, I mean, I look at uh, you know, the rallies I look or the the riots and I look at the Facebook and I see these people that just vehemently hate Trump so bad that they would look at an old senile 40 year deep swamp politician and say that this is a that the Democrats didn't even want. He couldn't win until somebody started pulling strings. Yeah. Um, and I, I just I'm just floored at Americans that think that that. Uh, damn the economy and damn the the low gas prices and the unemployment and everything that he's accomplished policy-wise. But the man is orange and the man is mean and I don't like him because MSM has told me not to like him. That's just kind of my, that's mm-hmm. my rant. Yeah. But it, it amazes me that we are so shallow thinkers uh, that that we just go along with the herd and the mob mentality and just like, people, please. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. But we got to keep trying and keep talking to people. And even though they, they want to yell at us and they want to, you know, physically assault us. And it's just when when has it ever been OK to say the things that these these kids are saying in in the streets, let alone in the face of a police officer? I mean, these liberal these liberal governments, state governments or city governments that are hamstringing their police officers are making it dangerous for everybody because those kids are going to go somewhere else where reality actually lives, not in their fantasy world. And somebody, they're going to get hurt or they're going to get killed. And they're only emboldening the wrong behavior to continue to do bad behavior. And then, you know, you've got the cops that are sitting there. It's like, you don't let people, that's, that's too close. That's too violent. That is called assault. I had this argument on Facebook the other day. I was showed a video clip of a, a rioter or a protest or whatever you want to call him with a stick in his hand in the face of a police officer kind of jumping towards him and saying, I got my stick too. Well, let's go. You know, that's an assault. Yeah. He should be arrested. Mm-hmm. But the cop just stands there stone faced because they have been hamstringed. And I'm like, that. there is nothing right with that. That is to allow that kind of cancer mm-hmm. to remain only allows the cancer to grow and to metastasize, mm-hmm. which is going to ultimately, anyway, I'll step down. 
Well, that's exactly what's happening in Rochester right now. I mean, it's a city that's been run by Democrats for decades. The, the mayor is a Democrat and she, she blamed the police chief and lied to the police about the police chief knowing what happened with this Daniel Prude. And he decided yesterday that he'd had enough. So he resigned as the police chief. Yeah. And so did a lot of other people in, in, you know, the highest level positions within the Rochester city police department have left. They've retired and resigned, not because it was time for them to retire, even though some of them had upwards of almost 40 years on, on the job, but because they, they just couldn't, they couldn't not back up their guys. They couldn't leave out there and not allow them to even protect themselves from the rioters who were out there throwing water, putting lasers in their eyes, throwing fireworks at them. And, and, you know, then you turn the television on and they talk about how, you know, these are peaceful protests. It's. Yeah, I completely agree. It's ridiculous. I have a friend, a good friend of mine. He's an ATF agent. Don't judge. (laughs) But I talk to him all the time. And just recently, he had a meeting where they can no longer put somebody in a chokehold, but it is okay for them to basically slash their throat. Like the chokehold is a no-go. You can't do that, which is stupid because obviously that would be something that somebody can potentially survive from as opposed to just, you know, taking a knife to their neck. But we were talking about how basically at this point, they pretty much have their hands tied. It's gotten to the point where citizens, you know, have more rights than the police officers. And then on top of that, criminals have the most rights. They have more rights than the citizens. It's like completely ass backwards. Backwards? Yeah. Yes. Have you, so did you guys see the gaslighting? The gaslighting, I had heard the term, but I didn't, I had seen recently a, 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 an example or where it came from. I guess it was from a movie that this man was trying to make his wife think that she was crazy and his neighbors think that she was crazy. And one of the things he would do is turn the lights down, the gaslight down. And, and she'd say, do you see that that light is dim? And he'd say, no, you're crazy. And I feel like that's exactly what we see with MSM and our mainstream media is saying to us that these are peaceful protesters mm-hmm. and there's something on fire in the background. Yeah. Or, well, the you know, scary part <laughs> about that is that it isn't just mainstream media and the, and the large networks that are, that are fanning those fires. It's our local media as well. Yeah. The local right. or the mainstream media, our local, you know, reporters that we've grown up watching and listening to for our whole entire lives. They're now spouting opinions the same way that you hear opinions on any other mainstream media it's impossible to know who to believe oh yeah right but if if it if if it is not congruent with what i physically see uh you know like i make a determination about kyle rittenauer uh, the 17 year old kid Mm -hmm. in wisconsin i saw an interview with him i see the way he handles himself i see the demeanor i hear it in his voice Mm -hmm. and then i turn around and i see the antis want to paint him as a hate-filled um extremist and they start painting him as a bad guy and i'm like that's not how i see this that's not how the the lens from which i view this um so yeah it's i encourage people to uh, make their own 
opinions and not listen to anybody. And I don't trust anything I read or Mm -hmm. see or hear anymore. I literally like take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. It might be true. It might not be true. If I really want to know, I'll look into it more. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Moving forward. Now to hear from our newest advertiser, Smith & Wesson. If you ever wanted to have a customized 1022 but thought you couldn't afford one, you should check out Smith & Wesson's T slash CR22. It was developed by the Performance Center and Thompson Center Arms to be a fully customized out-of-the-box precision semi-automatic rimfire for a significantly less cost than what you would typically spend building your own 1022. It features a ton of upgrades from the factory, including a carbon fiber barrel, built-in Picatinny rail, large bolt handle, ergonomic precision stock, threaded barrel, and excellent compensator. Basically, all the upgrades people spend a lot of extra time and money on to add to a standard 1022, including a great trigger. Check it out and a ton of other great products at smith-wesson.com. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Q&A. What new gun are you most excited to try right now? I would like to shoot the Glock 43X just to see if I like it better than my 42 or my nine millimeter shield. Diana, what would you say? I would say I would like to physically try the new Ruger 5.7. You just took my answer. (laughs) I've been a 5.7 fan for a long time and I saw that gun at SHOT Show, but I haven't gotten to shoot it yet. So yeah, same. That's exactly what I was going to say. And it's crazy. Nowadays, 5.7 is making a huge comeback. There's so many other companies like CMMG last week I highlighted. There's so many companies now making a gun that's chambered in 5.7. And not to mention, it's so much, it's less expensive than your typical FN 5.7, which you're looking at probably at least $1,100. So I would definitely like to shoot that as well. All right, moving forward. Now to discuss Sharps Bro. So I was just on their website last night, saw that the Heat Seeker chassis is on sale right now. If you haven't seen it, you should go check it out. It's a really sleek looking design that fits the Howa Mini Action. You can buy just those actions direct from Brownells without the extra cost of a stock you aren't going to use. One really fun option is the 300 Blackout with the threaded barrel if you want to build an ultra quiet suppressed bolt gun. Compatible actions also include 5.56, 6.5 Grendel, and 7.62 by 39. The chassis is also really light and the forend is carbon fiber, so you can easily build a precision gun that doesn't weigh a ton. And like I said, it's on sale right now for $459.95, and that is at sharpsbros.com. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. New Surefire XSC Weapon Light for Micro Compact Pistols. With so much violent crime happening at night, proper identification is critical in a defensive scenario. So, if you're looking for a light for one of the popular new micro compact pistols like the P365, the Hellcat, the G43, the G48, and all of those other similar guns, you should check out the new XSC. With 350 lumens, it has a three and a half times more light output than the other lights for these carry guns, 
making threat identification much clearer. The new lights weigh only two ounces and are specific for each gun model to maintain the lowest possible profile for the gun to prevent extra printing for concealed carry. They're also made from rugged aluminum and are waterproof, and additionally, they feature a rechargeable battery that is removable and has a power level indicator on the battery. And guys, just remember, lights are one of those things where if you have one on your gun, you should absolutely learn how to use it and train with it because the minute that flashlight goes on, you can identify your target, but your attacker might then identify where you are. So the minute you flash that light on, you have to change positions really quickly because that could be where they're going to shoot. So I'm definitely a fan of lights. I hate lasers. I hate when students come into my class and they have lasers thinking that it's going to help them to shoot better or that the attacker is going to see that there's a laser shining on them and suddenly run away. That's not going to happen. If anything, they're going to see that there's a laser coming from a certain position and give away where you are. But lights, I think, obviously have a lot more purpose than a laser. But again, I can't stress enough, definitely train with your light. And Palmer 80. So if you wanted a P80, but you don't want to build it yourself or are intimidated by trying to figure out the parts to get because you haven't built one before, you should go check out the P80s Complete Pistols. They have several versions, so the PFC9 and the PFS9 available in different colors and with or without threaded barrels, all built with the P80 components. They recently started shipping and you can use the dealer locator on the P80 website to find a store near you that has them. That is at polymer80.com. And if you find something you like on that website, don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY and that gets you 15% off. Stupid. Funny. Cool. Interesting, awesome, as f- never mind. AF. Man blows up house trying to swat a fly. An 80 year old man in France was eating dinner Friday evening when he became annoyed at a fly buzzing around him. He picked up an electric fly swatter and tried to swat the fly with it. He didn't know he had a gas cylinder leaking in his kitchen, though. The swatter ignited the gas, causing an explosion and blew up part of his kitchen. It also damaged part of his roof, and the house is currently uninhibitable. Somehow he managed to escape the catastrophe with just a burn to his hand. Him and his family are repairing the house while he stays at a nearby campsite. It is unknown if the fly escaped the swatter and subsequent explosion. That is pretty crazy. That is something that you definitely don't think about. Although I don't know if I've even seen an electric fly swatter. I've only seen those electric things that the bugs fly into and then it zaps them. But yeah, definitely interesting. So guys, just be careful next time you try to swat a fly. Don't put yourself in danger. All right, Triarch Systems. If you're one of the people looking to finish a Glock build right now and can't find good barrel in stock, you should go check out Triarch's Track 2.0. Their match-grade drop-in barrels for the Glock 17 and 19 and several versions are in stock right now with black nitride finishes. Threaded, non-threaded, and versions with the Mayhem Syndicate Comp are available right now, so go check that out at TriarchSystems.com. Don't forget to use the code AVA, A-V-A, for 5% off, and that is at TriarchSystems.com. All right, guys, now it's time for iTunes reviews. So if you have not left an iTunes review, please do so. Really, really appreciate it. And it helps for me to rank higher in iTunes. And it's also good just to get feedback from you guys. And if nothing else, a lot of your reviews make me laugh or it means that I'm not just sitting here talking to myself or my guests. 
first review is Ricky DC 777 Love this podcast five stars. As a new gun enthusiast, this is one of my go-to podcasts for everyday listening. I particularly like the way Ava carries herself as a host and a gun influencer. The lady has respect for herself and knows her stuff. I also like the different segments in each episode. Oh, thank you. Next is Jay Smoke 666. Awesome five stars. Me and my better half are both Marines and love shooting in your podcast. You are very informative and fair when reviewing products. I'm interested in knowing if you have any experience with Canics, and if so, what do you think about them? There's actually a video that is on my YouTube channel, which is YouTube forward slash Ava, A-V-A, Flannel, F-L-A-N-E-L-L. And I reviewed one of the Canics. I think it was like the TPS. I forget which model it was. But anyways, I'm a huge fan of the Canics. I think that they put a lot of work into those. It's definitely quality. I like the price. And I would say, yeah, if you can find one available, because let's face it right now, I feel like every gun that's decent is sold out. So if you can find one, I would highly recommend buying it. And you know what? Today I'm feeling generous. So I'm picking both people to win a prize pack. So contact me either on gunfunny.com or on social media and send me your address and I'll send out a prize pack. Wrapping up. So guys, you can find me at gunfunny.com. There's links to social media. If you haven't, follow me on Instagram, Ava Flannell, as well as Gunfunny Podcast. Facebook, YouTube. There's also links to the show on iTunes, iHeartRadio, you name it. It's there. And if you enjoy the show and you want to support it, you should consider becoming a Patreon. There's been a lot of Patreons actually that have joined recently. And so our little Facebook group continues to grow. And again, as I've always said, it's a lot of fun. Definitely wouldn't join it though if you're the type to get, I guess, easily triggered because we all like to joke around. We have a pretty screwed up sense of humor, but you can do that at patreon.com forward slash gunfunny. Also, Blown Deadline, he gives away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron each month. $5 and up patrons get a Patreon only patch. So after three months, you will get a patch that is only given to patrons and it will never be for sale. I also want to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Elliot and Mike Pappas, Joe Lyons, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Joshua Hamp, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Star Wars 77, and Ralph Picciardo. Picardo. I have to actually ask Ralph if I'm even pronouncing his last name right. King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. He wants me to say the dinosaurs looked at operator tickles the wrong way once. You know what happened to them. Okay, so Laura, Diana, if you guys could just remind listeners once again where they can find you, even your personal Instagram, the DC Project, Laura, even if you want to mention Silver Bullet Marketing, any of that stuff, go ahead and give us websites. So uh, you can find me at silverbulletmarketingllc.com. The DC Project is dcproject.info. And Diana, I will let you tell her where you can be found at your Three Gunner site and maybe your Ambassador Academy. Yeah, sure. Um, my personal Facebook page is Diana Muller Three Gun. I have an Instagram page that's Di, D-I, Three Gun. And then I'll give a plug to the Ambassador Academy, which is a five-day training class for brand ambassadors. Or anybody who's interested in being able to do those hostile communications and 
and work on their social media, work on their film and editing. Everything that we do as a uh, sponsored shooter is what we um, touch on. And that's at pro3gunner.com, P-R-O, the number three, gunner, G-U-N-N-E-R.com. And uh, working on a webpage for its, uh, for the Ambassador Academy to stand alone. But for right now, that's where it's at. And it also has an Instagram and Facebook page, Ambassador Academy Training, because Ambassador Academy was already taken. I had to throw training in there too. <laughs> hmm. Okay, awesome. All right, guys. So go ahead and give them a follow. And on that note, we are out of here. Thanks, Ava. Thanks a bunch. Of course. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.